Welcome to the 189th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on July 14th, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is my co-host and a man who is passionate in all things, Carlos Rodella. How's it going, Carlos? Hello, I'm very passionate, and especially passionate today, so get ready, listeners. Passion. Get ready. Raw, unbridled passion of the likes you've never heard before. And can, before uh, before we get started, I want to pull back the curtain a little bit. because no. I Oh, should... no. Are you naked back there? No, I mean, I have, you know, pajama bottoms on. Okay, uh, okay. Which is regular pants nowadays. Uh, no, I want to pull back the curtain because I just noticed this. We talk uh, a, a bunch before the show starts. And, you know, I was just, like, losing my mind in a bunch of life stuff. And... As soon as the podcast starts, I swear your voice changes. Like, you go into podcast mode, and it's like, I'm listening to a recording. It's amazing. I mean, I try to be professional when I do the... When I try to bring it when I do the show, you know? I don't want it to be like I'm just, like, phoning it in. I, I want to put my best voice box forward for the listeners. I know, and I, and I don't mean recording in a bad way at all. I'm just like, whoa, he just dialed in. We were, like, going back and forth with a bunch of information, and he's like, okay, cool, cool. Anyways, welcome to the... <laughs> <laughs> and you just, like, hit it. So just kudos well, to the, that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I do try. I do try. I really want to deliver a quality show to the listeners, and part of that is me speaking clearly and enunciating, which I do not always do. So. <laughs> and and the other part of that is me just saying words wrong, so that's a perfect combo. Well, the two of us together, I think you support me, I'll support you, and if the listeners give us a little bit of grace, I think we've got a show. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, it is July 14th, as I said in the opening, which can only mean one thing. It is time for the So Video Games Mid-Year Check-In. 2020 is half over. Feels like it's been a million years in some a ways. Million years. <laughs> million years. It feels like we have been in hell for an eternity uh, in some respects. We're not going to get into that now. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about, but we're going to focus on games for today. And since the year's half over, we thought what better time to take a look at the games we've played and start talking about what we might be choosing as our best experiences of the year. Of course, half the year is still to come. Nothing is locked in, nothing is set in stone. But I've got a couple favorites. Carlos, you've probably got a couple favorites. I have a few. All right. We're going to talk about that. That's going to be the bulk of today's show. We also have some favorites from the listeners, so thank you very much for that. Uh, before we get to it, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. I have nothing today. Carlos, you have some housekeeping? I have two things that are very important. One, I swear that I might be like foretelling the future sometimes in this podcast, but I went on and on again about Shadow Warrior, and that's an old game. But lo and behold, what you shared with me the other day, there's a trailer for a new Shadow Warrior. Just came out like two days ago, Shadow Warrior 3, recently announced. And the trailer is poking fun at trailers. Essentially, the characters like saying, yeah, I'm in this trailer. They want me to show off my new moves. Here you go. Um, and it's funny and it's, you know, it's a cutscene trailer, so it's not a gameplay trailer. And it's just more of the same. Sign me up. One of my favorite experiences is Shadow Warrior 2. And now he's got like a grappling hook is like the big hook. Ooh, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm throw- a sucker for a grappling hook. So that's already got me a little bit interested. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, remember that one that game we saw during the um, what was it? The guy who made there was one person who made a video game during the Xbox presentation. Yeah. And he and that had a grappling hook. So, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I was already excited uh, just by the idea of them making another game. And they said at the end of the trailer, uh, we'll see you at the gameplay reveal, which I don't know when that's going to be, but uh, I'm excited. All right. Well, I think you are more excited than I am because I know that's one of your favorite games. I honestly don't think I've ever played it. So I'm not not excited because I don't like it. I'm just not excited because I don't really have experience with that series. But I know that you love it. And if there is a grappling hook, I'm always uh, up for a good grappling hook. So we will keep our eyes on that. What is the other piece of housekeeping you had? Before I leave that, though, you'd like Dead Island, right? I love Dead Island, yeah. You know, the kind of first-person melee combat, just nuts madness stuff? Oh, Uh, yeah. I'm not usually up for it, but with Dead Island, they really got me in the zone. I was down with that game. Okay, well, that's what it feels like, though. I was thinking, like, what does it feel like? Okay. Uh, It feels like that because you are just continually, like doing a lot of melee in first person and you, these really cool matrix moments happen. You're like, whoa, this, then that, then this, then spin around, then that. So that's the rain reason I like it. The moment-to-moment gameplay really just feels fun. Um, to clarify. So the second thing is <laughs> the Lindsay Buckingham, is that what his name is? Of the show where I never mentioned this one game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our ongoing saga of the game that we keep saying we're going to cover and we never do. PR gave up on us months ago. They probably think we're a couple of real assholes. Aww. Uh, Darksburg. Well, Darksburg. Darksburg, the game, yes. They it's, keep... it's, like a, it's like a joke now. Like, we can actually never cover it because then we would not have a joke anymore. Well, we're not not covering it because I'm talking about it right now in the housekeeping. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have like four or five lines of notes. And essentially, I can explain what the game is because I think that some people will really like it. I just um, I don't think it's for me. And maybe that's why I originally put off talking about it the short answer is this it's like a diablo game right mouse and keyboard not controller which takes me out of it because i'm definitely a controller person when it comes to uh you know kind of kill a bunch of things in a diablo sense so it's mouse and keyboard you're clicking a lot uh you create your own game or you join a game that's already in session it's a multiplayer you play with other people you're killing a bunch of ai and it's a fantasy setting the characters are really cool they all have different kind of, you know, uh, classes and stuff. So it looks great. It plays pretty good. I don't like clicking around to kill enemies. But if you do, I mean, there's tons of people who play, you know, tons of games like that. Then you might dig it. So it's kind of a non-review. <laughs> but I am you, saying. You basically said, hey, it's a video <laughs> game where you do things and it's a game Shit. that you play. <laughs> That's basically what you said. Is it not fitting though? <laughs> Is it not fitting for the game that keeps getting? Oh left my up? god. Okay. Well, let's let's hold on, like, let's pause for a second. I I am surprised by this. I wasn't ready to do this, but let's do it since we're doing it. So, Darksburg, is this the one? Is it online co-op only? There is no single-player content. Is that correct? I can play. I played it my, by myself, and the, an NPC uh, joined me. Okay, so like if the bots fill in in the places where human players would be, but it's not just you on your own, right? Yeah, it was with another person. Yeah, it was another uh, AI. And is this the one where, I may be getting this wrong, is this the one where it's kind of like a tower defense where you have little points to to guard as enemies come by, or is that a different game? No, that's a different game. This is just straight up like co-op roguelike, they call it, but it, it, I guess a lot of it's procedurally generated, so... Um, I couldn't tell because it was my first playthrough. But it just feels like, you know, you're going through medieval city, you're fighting zombies, um, and you probably should have a friend and do it with them and just kill a bunch of things. And, you know, in the fantasy kind of setting. So, yeah, I think it's fun. Like, it's totally fine. The, the main reason I wouldn't go further into it is because I don't like clicking a lot. 
Like I really am kind of just, you know, stuck in my controller ways right now. So my finger got tired and I was like, this is really fun. And I'm liking all these special moves, but I'm just kind of tired of clicking around. Is uh, there anything that would make it stand out? I know you said it was a Diablo like, but like, what is, what is the hook? Is it the setting? Is it, is it like, uh, are there special mechanics? Like what it makes it different from Diablo? Well, I think it's got that roguelike uh, atmosphere where you um, can do stuff and then level up and then kind of go back in. I think the procedurally generated uh, levels is the different part of it as well. Um, It's not like just a map. It's like you're trying to go into this city of Darksburg and get some loot, but you don't know what the map's going to look like, right? So no two games are the same. I think that's really it. I mean, that's it's it's such a straightforward game. Uh, okay. Maybe because it doesn't have like the main hook that stands out is why you know we kept putting it in the back burner. But at the same time, I'm just here to say in housekeeping that it's a very like good game. I think it's very co-op roguelike fun game. But I just for me I can't deal with clicking. Okay, you heard it here, folks. It is a game game. That is a game that you can play. <laughs> nah, but right I here. used I used good. I think it really, and I like the characters a lot too. So, yeah. All right, all right. Well, there it is. There is the year-long conclusion of a joke <laughs> that we have dragged out for way too many uh, shows. Darksburg. It's the end of an era, folks. Please mark yes, your calendars. Yes. Okay, that ends housekeeping. Let's dive into the main event tonight, and that is our mid-year check-in. Like I said, the year's half over. I've played some games that I think are really good. Carlos, I'm sure you've played some games that are really good. Let's talk about the games that we think we are going to be talking about this December when the year is over. Carlos, would you like to start? Yeah, and I will say this. Um, the the back half of this year is where I'm really excited. So I'm kind of like front-loading this is I didn't play a ton of stuff I liked so far. Um, so, spoiler... <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's really fair because honestly, I start a list January 1st every year, just like it's a habit, right? Because being in the editor, having to keep on top of games, I got to keep lists or else I forget everything. And my list started on January 1st, 2020. I don't think I had a fucking thing on it until like maybe like March or April. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, two or three games that might be good. And then just like in the last month, I've got like maybe like three or four more games that could be good. So like, yeah. I think you're right. I think everything is going to be definitely like, you know, backloaded this year. Well, and in the second half of this discussion, we'll talk about things we're looking forward to. And, and my list that I just kind of compiled to the last second is heavy hitters, you know. So, um, yeah, but to your original point, I think the first game that, you know, uh, and these are not in any particular order, but the first game I th- can think of is Animal Crossing just because, you know, I don't think, yeah, why would I question it? I have never lived through a pandemic. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I've <laughs> lived first through a pandemic. pandemic. Huh? Okay. Yeah, it's my first. Um, and not making light of it, but come on, you got to laugh at something. Holy shit. Um, Animal Crossing saved a bunch of our lives. Like, I think a ton of us wanted to escape the, you know, dark times around us. Um, in more ways than one. And Animal Crossing was the perfect game at the perfect time for a lot of us, including me. And I just spent so much time in there. Uh, I've already played it, what, four times in my life on so many different platforms. But I think they did a great job of reinventing parts of it, keeping parts of it the same. And really, you know, it's a game where it opens up as the more you play it. And I think they did a great job of it. And for the first time ever, I bought my mom a Switch. And so she had the Animal Crossing, and then we would visit each other's towns. Oh, that's fun. 
And she would send me pictures and videos of her town and stuff. I mean, that's just a unique experience, and it's got to go on the list for that. Okay, I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. It's not on my list. Uh, I bought it. I played it. Um, I got to be really honest. I've played multiple Animal Crossings in the past, and I have put a lot of time into the series historically. But this time around, I think it just was different for me because I'm so busy these days. I have so little free time, and I got to really be just like brutally honest with you. Um, the lack of ability to speed up the text and the amount of repeated text as I was going through the game, it didn't really bother me that much before, but now that I'm in a slightly different life circumstance, drives me fucking bananas. Like, I just want to, like, I don't want to see that text again because it's always the same stupid joke about the fish that you caught 10,000 times. Everything seems to take a really long time. I just want the whole thing to run faster. Mm. I just want, like, your inventory to be a little bit better and smoother. I just... It has never really gotten under my skin before, but this year, just this year with this version, and I realize it's not any different. Like, I mean, I don't want people to be like, why did you like it before? You don't like it now. Like, I'm just saying my life is different, right? So, like, things that were okay before are all of a sudden not okay now, and I just, it was like nails on chalkboard to me, and I just, I really couldn't get into it. So, That's I know a funny. lot of people love it. My uh, my kid loved it. My wife really loved it. And, I mean, Nintendo's, like, marketing department must have, I mean, that was like the home run of the millennia where they happen to release just the right game, just as the pandemic is forcing everybody to stay home and everybody is desperate for something to do. I mean, like, dude, like total synchronicity of the stars. Like it was like right game, right time, right circumstance. Yeah. I mean, a horrible circumstance, but at the same time, everybody in the world played Animal Crossing. So, I mean, home run for that PR team. So No, but to your point, I, I totally get it. And um, one of the complaints me and both my mom has as well is that, you know, it's, it does take a long time to get stuff done. And oh, it does. Th- that's by design. Obviously, they want to open it up, and that's their, you know, the way they made their game. But um, I think you have to be in the right mindset for, like, lots of games we talk about in this show. It's where your mind's at, right? It's all subjective. And so it did hit a lot of the right chords for people who, you know, had more time, maybe, um, you know, weren't, didn't have a really busy lifestyle and they were kind of like really losing their mind at the, at home. I think it really fits for that kind of player for someone like you and have family and you're really busy. You're like, well, I just don't want to, you know, uh, do this busy work really. Um, I mean, I just, I just didn't want to read those, those jokes again, man. I just didn't want to read that stuff. And I just, I just, I mean, I think the gameplay is okay. Like I think, what it is is fine and i would have been happy to build my town i may even come back to it who knows but i just i could not read that text anymore i just i couldn't man i couldn't okay well to bring it back to bring it back to the point that these are the games that we like so these, far yes absolutely. um i'll say that why i liked it is because obviously i got to share it with my mom which is cool also i got to escape the reality for a little yes, while yes and yes. i think a lot of people like that for that reason absolutely and it's been a huge favorite i mean I, i'm definitely the outlier when it comes to this uh i know that Basically, everybody on Earth loves this game for exactly those reasons. So I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, one thing that I would like to choose as one of my mid-year notables, Vampire the Masquerade Coteries of New York, uh, which is a visual novel, which I played on the Switch. We talked about it here on the show. I don't know what episode, but you can go back into the archives and find that if you like. Uh, this is based in White Wolf's uh, tabletop role-playing vampire universe. We're about to get a lot more of it real soon. There's going to be a first-person RPG, Bloodlines 2. There's going to be, I believe, another visual novel. There's going to be... Um, I, I think like they have like three or four more games in the wings. I don't know what's, what Switch got flipped, but Vampire has been dormant for like forever. Mm-hmm. And then just like a vampire rising up out of that crypt, man, all of a sudden it's everywhere. And like oh. we're going to be drowning in vampires nice. very soon. 
But Coteries of New York, um, speaking of, I mean, it's a great use of the license. Uh, I think it really ties into the vampire mythos and what White Wolf has established in their game. But beyond that, hell of a visual novel. Pretty fast-paced, really interesting characters, great writing, had a lot of choices which felt very important and very meaningful. Like there's multiple times when I would have my thumb just hovering over the confirm button because I'm like, oh, I don't know which way to go on this one. And you feel like there's actual stakes, right? And so, oh, stakes. See what I did there? Ooh. Oh, puns are all over Oh, the place. man, we are punning it so hard tonight. Um, but, man, I just really loved it. I There's different characters to meet. So, like, you can actually play it a couple times and have a different experience because you don't necessarily have to hang out with the same people each time. Uh, and it just was really interesting. The story was really, really well done. I was very curious to see what was going to happen all the way through. A uh, couple of surprises that I didn't uh, foresee. Like, it's just, it's really like the best of what a visual novel can be. Great art, fast paced, you could, you know, very uh, user friendly. Uh, I mean, just everything about it felt really on point. Like, the people making this game knew what makes a good visual novel. They knew how to use the vampire license. They knew how to keep things popping. And I just, I loved it from start to finish. It's definitely one of my favorite uh, visual novels ever, I think. And definitely a strong contender uh, for my top 10 this year, for sure. Yeah, and I need to go back and play it because I remember you mentioned it in the podcast, and I, all of it sounded good. And it's like I think it's a good, uh, maybe potential game to get people into visual novels too. Like in general, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, one one problem that I have with a lot of visual novels is that many of them come from Japan, um, and I am not biased against Japanese stuff. I love Japanese stuff. I I play a million Japanese games, but I just you know I'm like 44 years old. I'm a grown ass man, and like I don't want to read about teenage girls in high school. I don't want to read about like a phase of life that I've been done with for decades. Like I don't want to, you know, young love and that kind of stuff. I want like other kinds of experiences. Right. And these vampires, they're grownups. They drink, they fuck. They like, there's violence. They talk about things that are meaningful. They comment on uh, modern society. Like they talk about like, you know, people having smartphones and they talk about as if they are in our modern world and they are not high school kids, which for whatever reason, Japanese culture seems really fixated on Japanese Um, High school kids, which is just not for me, right? Like, it's not for me. So this is another positive in its its column is that if you are a grown-ass person who doesn't really want to have that high school experience over and over and over and over, this is a perfect one because it has nothing to do with high school, nothing to do with taking somebody to prom, nothing to do with blushing or being, you know, your first kiss (laughs) or any of that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just grown-ass stuff. Yeah. Uh, That's why I didn't like that one game that we talk about on the podcast where you were like, I got my first job. What was it? What? At the arcade? At the arcade? Oh, yeah. Arcade Spirits. Yeah. yeah. I, agree, I, agree, I, I just yeah. I think that was my biggest problem is I was like, I, I can't go back to this. Like, I, I, I don't have a failed career. You know, like, I yeah. I know who I am. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that's a great pick. And before we leave the idea of vampires, because it just came to me, Only Lovers Left Alive. Have you watched that movie? I have heard of that movie, and I, I have almost watched it a dozen times, but I have not watched it. Two things about that movie, and this is definitely a tangent and i'm going on it one for it it's fucking good okay okay Okay. it's it's dark and gothic and feels like a vampire like it feels like the whole movie feels like yeah gothic you know i don't know what about it It, it's almost it feels like near dark which is an old vampire i love near dark such a good movie oh my god it feels like that kind of old school um 80s movie that doesn't have to have like big huge climax moments and love interest and all that stuff obviously there's love in it there's it's about a couple but it's it's dark and dreary and slow and it's great so everybody go if you like vampires go watch that movie secondly 
it's my one of my favorite soundtracks because it is just this beautiful sprawling uh almost like a trent reznor uh thing and it the, every song on the soundtrack is good so excellent i've I heard like nothing but good things about it and i have like i said i have almost watched it but then we always will like veer off to something else but it's definitely like on my list I keep, you know, I'm a list maker and I have a list of movies that I want to watch. It's on my list. So I definitely, now that you're bringing it to my attention again, I'm going to bump it up a few notches. Bump it up on that Bumping list. Bump it up. Yep. Bumping it up. Okay, cool. Uh, good recommendation. Also, Near Dark, if you've never seen Near Dark. Totally Ooh, classic, seminal, yeah. old school vampire movie. That's like required viewing if you like vampires. Although I did watch like a section of it the other day and I was like, it doesn't hold up as well. You don't think? I saw it maybe two years ago and I thought it was still amazing. But it's, maybe... It's Maybe. pretty good, but I'm just saying, like, for some of the younger right. people, they might be like, hey. Maybe. Okay. All right. Moving on. Carlos, uh, I just went with Vampire. Your next pick, sir. It's got to be Trials of Mana, baby. Trial? Oh, God, God damn it. Trials of Mana. It's okay. rearing its head again, baby. Oh, my God. For the that... 74th time on the So Video Games Podcast, <laughs> Trials of Mana. Let's just call it the Trials of So Video Games Podcast. No, that doesn't oh, work. Oh, my God. Uh, Trials of Mana. I'm going to talk about it again just for a short minute. It just was a joy the whole way through Brad Galloway. It was the combat was fun. I've mentioned that twelve thousand times. the The game was not anything to write home about. They pretty much didn't change the text or the story from the olden days when it came out, which is, you know, nineties. I don't know. Uh, it, it's just a simple, fun thing, similar to an ease game, similar to some of these kind of simple action RPGs, but with great combat. I beat the game. I mean, like, it's hard to beat an RPG nowadays, especially when, you, like you said, you're a grown-ass person. You got a lot of responsibilities and things. Uh, it was a joy to play. I loved every moment of it, and I beat it pretty quickly. So it's got to go on my list. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I know you were looking forward to it. You really got into it. We talked about it, and it seemed like you were just really enjoying it all the way through, mostly because of the combat, correct? Yeah, and I think that they they kind of didn't do too much wrong. There was one point there was like a little bit of a spike in difficulty, but even that resolved itself. I think we might've mentioned it on the show. And near the end, like when I found the main boss or one of the main bosses, I felt ready to fight him or it or her. I won't say what it was, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like, I, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I hate games that don't reward you for learning the systems. Uh, and this one does. It, it it says like, hey, yeah, you know how you did that one thing with the heel and you did the roll and then you switched players and went to this guy and then they did another heel? That thing you've been doing all game? Well, if you do that at the final boss, you're going to be good. And that's one of the highest kudos I can play to, uh, pay to an RPG. That's an, that's an interesting um, point that you bring up. We're not going to really talk about it this show, but I believe we will probably get into it on our next episode uh with a game that we have scheduled for next time because i think that what you said is absolutely correct like having teaching the player what to do building on those mechanics and then shaping the rest of your game to reward players who actually learned those lessons and engage in those systems is a really key part of video game design it doesn't really matter the genre or the type or even how old the game is i think that's just a a basic fundamental building block of how you make a good game like it's just something that you do so yeah agreed agreed for sure Cool. Um, all right. Excellent. Uh, my next pick, I'm going to go with uh, Neo 2. I've talked about it a couple times in the show. Uh, started it, like, I feel like maybe two months ago, and I'm still playing it. It is a long campaign if you do everything. You don't need to do everything. 
But I'm really enjoying it. I really like playing this game. And I want to do every single mission. Not because I have to, but because I like it. And I'm just really having a great time. Um, it started out being pretty difficult. Not not crazy difficult. Not so difficult that I would say it was a problem. But they definitely spank you a few times. And they kind of teach you some lessons as you're starting. But as you progress through the game, your, your character levels up. And like the difficulty totally like evens out. Like I am... Uh, in a very good place. I've mastered a few different weapons. I have a lot of resources at my disposal. I learned all the systems. And so now, I mean, there are definitely some difficulty spikes and there are challenges, but it's not like, oh my God, I'm getting spanked all the time and this game is painful to play and it's tor No, it's not, it's not one of those like really like, um, you know, uh, masochistic types of things. Um, it's a pretty good game. I really, I, it's really fun. The action's really tight. Controls are super tight. Graphics are great. Uh, and, you know, one of the best things about this game, and I suppose we should probably recap it, uh, I, I guess people listening to the show have already heard us talk about this a bunch of times, so I don't want to rehash old territory, but this is a third person, uh, Souls-like, samurai-themed uh, action game in Japan with a lot of demons and stuff like that. One of the things I like about it most is I believe there's 12 different weapons, and the campaign is so long that it's very possible you will start to like really max out a weapon and feel like you know all the tricks to it and you feel like maybe you're getting into a little bit of a rut. But there's like 11 other weapons besides what you already picked and whenever you switch weapons, it starts feeling like a whole new game. Like I just recently, I've been using um, the axe for most of the game and also the Kusaragama, which is a hook on a chain that has a weight at the end of it, uh, kind of like a sneaky ninja assassin weapon. And I was using both of those for a long time. Uh, felt like I really mastered them both and I was looking for a new challenge. So I switched over to, uh, the Odachi, which is a really long samurai sword, like super long, like longer than a person. And also the dual blades, dual katanas. And like making that switch makes the game feel totally fresh again. I'm learning new tricks. I'm approaching situations in a different way. I have all sorts of new techniques that I can do. I'm changing up my gear, my build. Uh, and that's the mark of a really great game where you can just keep mining it for more depth. You don't have to. You absolutely don't have to. I could have easily stayed with my starting weapons and just kept leveling them up and just kept going. And that would have been fine. But the fact that you can get more out of it if you choose to is really the mark of a game. good game. So I really am uh, liking it very much. Uh, almost done. I'm in the final area. I've probably got maybe like five or six more missions and then I'll wrap it up. Uh, but it has been a very fun ride. And it's not often that I play something to where I want to do every single quest. Like I, I can probably count on one hand the number of games I've done that with, but this is absolutely one of them. I love playing mm. this game. It is just a joy to play. Yeah, I was going to ask, when you switch to weapons, though, do you have to, like, level them up as well? Like, change and level up new weapons? So how that works is um, you... So if you switch to a brand new weapon, the weapon that you choose, the game will give you a weapon that is appropriate to your level. So, like, for, like right now, I'm, like, level 95. So it'll give me, like, a sword... Like, all the swords will do, like, roughly, like, 100 damage or something like that. They're all the same. But what you what happens is you, the character, does not have the specialized skills that you gain from practicing with that weapon. So, like, I can use the weapon, and it'll hit hard, but I will not have, like, the parry, or I won't have the roll with the combo, right. or I won't have, like, all the extra moves. So you can use it, and it's not like going back to level 1 or anything, but you definitely, like, will have to, like, master the weapon, which I think is pretty cool. Like, the more you use it, the better you get at it. And you learn more techniques. So you're not crippled and you're not... I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. That's inappropriate of me to say. You are not like like hamstrung uh, by going back to level one. But you definitely have uh, a road ahead of you when you pick up a new weapon. Yep, yep. Okay. And then the other thing I was going to asterisk is that you and you said it's not difficult. Again, it's for uh, people who are good at Souls games. And there is a bunch of people who are like me who are not. 
and I find even just the base level of this game difficult. So um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I think you have to be up for like the Souls like genre. Although I will say, um, I don't think this game is anywhere near as hard as some of the the actual Souls games. I mean, there is some serious bullshit that goes down in a, in a Dark Souls game. Uh, yeah. I don't think that there is an equivalent level of bullshit here. It's difficult. You need reflexes. You got to be good at action games. But I don't feel like any of the cheapness and some of the rage moments I have with Dark Souls, I don't really get those moments here. I feel like it's a much more balanced game. Right. But I got the. I tell you that one guy with the balls. He's, he's, yes, he's, the guy with the balls. He's got some cheap <laughs> moments, I'll tell you that much. Very true. You have to be. If you don't like Souls likes, this one is not the one for you. But if you do like them, check it out. Yeah, you you were ranting about this game forever, uh, almost like my Trials of Mana. Uh, I really like this game a lot. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Carlos, return it back to you, <laughs> sir. No, what is okay. your next pick? What is your next pick? Uh, my next pick is uh, an RPG, and it is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay, all right. Tell I, us about it. Yeah, I lived in this world of this game. I mean, I just went all in. Uh, I'd mentioned on the podcast before, never finished the original Final Fantasy VII, which I guess is sacrilegious. It's like insane. People are like mad at me for not finishing it. Uh, I said in the past, I didn't like the graphics back then. I thought the polygons looked, you know, cruddy. Like Pretty chunky back in the day. Chunky. Yeah. And that really bothered me. And I, I was like, there's 16-bit, you know, beautiful like graphic games that look much better than this. Um and then also in general, I was amazed by what they were doing technically, but it just didn't really hook me for some reason. But this time I went all in, and I liked the fact that they kind of switched it up. It was using the main storyline, but also adding a ton of stuff, <clears throat> which, by the way, is, you know, one of my favorite games in RPG world is Final Fantasy XV. I think slightly controversial uh, statement, I'm not sure. But I really, really love that game, played every second of that game. Uh, so many side quests. They did so many hours in that game. And so this felt like that. I mean, the combat felt the same. There was a little bit of difference where they had some turn-based stuff um, that made you think about what you were doing more than Final Fantasy XV, where you could just hit everything. You know, just hit a bunch of buttons and combos would happen. So it's not as uh, freeform as that. But as I've said on the podcast before, I turned it on easy mode, which was normal mode in my mind um do you want to play the game and not have to deal with bullshit then yes uh, i picked normal mode in my mind and i had a great time i just i really want to know about the characters and what was going to happen how they were going to change the story and it's episode one i would love episode two uh it just really took up all my time like you think about games for best games of the year this was all i thought about for I don't know, months or something? Like, I really was just all in. Played every little side mission. Excellent. I have actually not played it yet. Um, it's on my list. I, As I've said many times in this episode, I keep a lot of lists. It's on my list of games that I probably should play before December. But i got to be honest with you. Um, I played the demo. We talked about the demo, and I thought it was okay. But, like, I just don't feel any pull to play it right now. Maybe that'll change in a month or two. I, I look at it, and I see a lot of people name-checking it as something definitely to play, especially if you're a critic. And I just, I don't not like it. I mean, I played Final Fantasy VII back in the day. I thought it was fine. Um, but I just look at it, I'm like, mm, now is not the time for me. So I'll get to it at some point, probably before December, but I just haven't played it yet. That's fine. And also, yeah, A, it might not be for everybody, but B, I need, I need to stress this, uh, and this is the reason why I liked it. It really does feel like a Final Fantasy XV. It feels like its own kind of new genre 
where yes, it's using and, and trying so hard sometimes, I think to its detriment, uh, to be the old school game and add turn-based kind of, you know, uh, combat at times. I think that gets in the way. For me, it got in the way. I turned it off essentially by turning it into easy mode and it allowed me to play it more like a like an evolved Final Fantasy game. And again, maybe unpopular opinion, but I think it played better that way in, instead of trying to... What's it called when you like you try to appease all the different audiences? Oh like, yeah, yeah, you know we want to like, like you uh, you play to the there's a lowest common denominator, something like that. Yeah, and I think that they didn't need that. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe people played it you know for hours and hours that way. But for me, I liked it mainly because the world was really interesting. What they did with it, they opened up all the things that you remember from seven and made it with the graphics alone and just kind of what we can build as in a game nowadays, they made it feel more like this world that had lots of, you know, social systems and you really felt the oppressed people who were oppressed. I mean, I went to, at some point I went to some, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but I went to someone's house and I saw how like poor they lived versus like the really, really rich people. And there were just so many interesting dynamics in this world that, that's what I really got lost in. It wasn't like, oh, I'm playing a Final Fantasy VII game and there's that one part where the airship and the blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that. It was more like, this is a really interesting world to exist in and, and to play an RPG in. So, it's funny you mention that because the airship blah, blah, blah is actually my favorite part of the original <laughs> Final Fantasy shit. VII. I love that part. I'm like, listen, that part, don't forget about <laughs> it. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think that if I put that out there, maybe more people might uh, give it a look. That's all. Well, you were definitely uh, on on your gaming preference chart. Like, you are definitely the guy who likes to like immerse themselves in a world and kind of get lost and and do all that, which I, I enjoy too. But I think you do it more than I do, uh, and that was you know, definitely a selling point based on our discussions of this game before. So yeah, I mean, it seems like if you want a world to just get lost in, this is maybe a good choice for that. So yep. our, I will get to it at some point. I hope we shall see. Uh, my next pick. Let's see here. What am I gonna pick? I'm gonna go with. Gosh, I'm going to go with the Eternal Castle Remastered. Uh, that is a 2D fake retro game. Like, they tried to put it out and they tried to, like, the PR tried to act like it was, like, a game discovered in some long-lost vault or something. Not true. I mean, kind of cute that they did that. But, like, let's be honest, folks. It is a game which is designed to mimic old-school 2D platforming uh, in the genre of, like, the original, original, like, Jordan Mechner, Prince of Persia 2D flashback out of this world sort of stuff if you're old enough to remember those games you know what i'm talking about with rotoscoped animation uh really long wind-ups for the animation kind of like chunky controls uh really shitty combat they all had terrible combat this is the game um, that, that looks like cga i said it looks like CGA exactly yeah it looks like uh, vga or ega or whatever it was yes uh it is a very like flat shaded it looks like uh something that could be run on uh like a really old computer like an intellivision or something like that uh, and it just, it was great. I, I liked it because, number one, it was simple. Uh, and that type of game, which I haven't ever really enjoyed that much, was really well done here. I mean, still had a lot of the same problems that that genre has, but I think they updated it in certain ways. Um, made the gameplay a little bit deeper than those games usually are. The graphics were just, like, off the hook, though. Like, the graphics from an artistic perspective. Everybody knows on this show that I, I go in for graphics. Um and the art style was just just the bomb, dude. Like it was like strong, bold colors, a lot of contrasting, a lot of like just high density shapes, a lot of just like chunkiness on the screen, flashing. Like it just 
it just was like a visual feast. Like I don't say that often, but like every screen was like screenshot worthy. And I took like a billion screenshots. I posted them on Twitter, like a madman. Um, <laughs> it just, it just looked fucking great. Like everything about it was really well designed. Uh, and I just thought it was really fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was short. It got in and out. It didn't take too long. Uh, fairly good variety in the gameplay for what it was. I mean, all of it stayed within its lane, but each level had a kind of a different spin on it. Uh, it wasn't too difficult, and some of those games can be notoriously difficult. Uh, but just overall, I thought it was really great. You could tell that the people who made this game had a very sincere love for the source material from way back in the 90s or late 80s. They faithfully reproduced it, but they didn't do it slavishly. They really updated it where it needed to be updated and made some smart decisions. And it just looks fantastic. It's very idiosyncratic, very unique. 100% not going to be for everybody. But as like an artistic experiment, as something off the beaten path, I thought it was as great. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, and you mentioned on the podcast I was supposed to download it and I didn't. So now doing this show is reminding me of games that I need to go play. So I will check it out. I thought you had some problem with it though too when you mentioned it on the podcast. You had one no, issue. No, that with is it. true. That is true. My one issue with that game was I played it pre release and something about that code made the, the game crash to desktop every time you got uh, to, like, as you were about to watch the ending. So you would go fight the last boss, mm. beat the last boss, and right as you're about to watch the ending, it would crash to, like, the desktop on the Switch. <laughs> um, that was months ago, though, so I'm sure they fixed it since then. I What I ended up doing at that time was I just went over to YouTube, watched the ending, and I'm like, okay, cool. But, like, it didn't take away from the experience of playing the game, which was amazing. And right. I, I would be very shocked if they haven't fixed it by now. Yeah. Although there's the uh, 1971 Project Helios. Oh, geez. Helios. Okay. It's still Helios, debug yes. version. Okay, anyways. Anyway. Okay, so that was my number three pick. What's your number three pick, Carlos? I got I got to be honest here. We're getting... I don't got many more, man. Uh, <laughs> so let's... Uh, I'm going to... I got a couple... Okay, I have one that I'll put in there. One more. This is crazy. And we do no, play... This is, this is fair. If you got one more in this section... I feel like you've probably got a lot more games you're looking forward to than I am. So I why do. don't you carry that section yeah. and I'll just wrap up this section. Okay, so I have one more and I also have two honorable mentions. So I'll do kind of do them all together. Yeah, just do them. Just do them. Um, and also I will say, um, yeah, never, never mind. Okay, so. <laughs> I, gonna, I will I was, say never mind. Well, yes. I was going to say a reason for, I'm not going to give you a reason. Uh, Catlandia, baby. Oh, man. Catlandia is getting on the list. Oh I mean, God. it's it's uh, it's a small list, and there's lots of problems because there's not many games I like. But Catlandia, I got to put on there. Uh, it's here's the here's the description of the game. Okay, just check this out. It's a cat, cat in a land. Catlandia is a 2D turn-based RPG where you finally get to live out your dream of being a cat. Mm. Customize your cat, collect costumes, unlock powerful abilities, and fight treacherous dogs. Uh, visit Fort Pawprint, explore the Whisker Woods, and become what you've always wanted to be. Okay, just for that alone. And by the way, the developer is Polar Tabby Interactive. Polar Tabby, okay. okay. Well, I am not much of a cat person, but I assume you really like this game since you brought it up. Tell us a little bit more about it. Well, oh, this is pretty much it. I don't know how how deep you're going to go into this. That's it. If you didn't... If you're not hooked by now, there ain't nothing left for you. I don't know what you would... Yeah, why would you not want to be in? Okay, here's the thing. I like every cat game. I play all the cat games. I mentioned on this podcast Cat Quest, one of my favorite RPGs. I love Cat Quest. Cat Quest 2. You would like Cat Quest. There's their second one of them. 
Uh, Catlandia, it's just simple. It's an indie game. I love supporting indie games. I just played it on a whim. I thought the jokes were funny against the dogs, cats versus dogs. Uh, it's simple. It was relaxing. There's nothing. I'm not going to explain this game. Y- you run around and you click things as an RPG and you're a cat. That's it. <laughs> it's silly. That's it. You're a cat and you click things. And it's just but with relaxing. with a controller, not but a mouse. With a, with a, yeah. There you go. That's the difference. Uh, and I think it's on Itch.io. It's on Steam. Yeah. So uh, Itch.io and Steam, Catlandia. I'm putting on my list. Hey, it's Slim Pickens right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. What What are your honorable What are your honorable mentions? Honorable mentions are like more like mainstream games. Uh, one is uh, Kentucky Route Zero. I played this year because it kept the fancy version came out. Do you remember it came out for the PS4? It was like the collection or something. Uh, yeah, PS4 and Switch. They came out with the uh, yes, yes, the deluxe, all the episodes in one version. Yeah. Plus all the bonus supporting. There was like an ARG or some extra videos or something. Like the whole the whole thing got put up into one package. Yeah. Yeah, and I played it this year, um, and it was a really cool experience. Again, it came at the perfect time. Uh, I wanted to play something like late at night. It the whole game feels like it's late at night. If that makes sense, it's like a very David Lynch experience. Uh, what a beautiful game. Uh, it's It would be on my list in the other years because it came out a million years ago in parts. But I played it in this kind of collection. It's on my list because of that. It's, it's such a beautiful game, and I really like it a lot. Excellent, uh, excellent. I need to play that. I bought it. I haven't. Really do. I just haven't played it yet. I got to get to it. What a special experience. Okay, so that's definitely on my list. Because, again, collection or whatever. And the other one's got to be on my list because I played so many damn hours of this game. But officially it came out this year is Dreams. Oh, Dream. God, you know, I kind of forgot you were even playing that. We haven't talked about it in a long time. I know. I was going to, like, do it, like, in every episode, like, do a new Dreams game. I think I still can because they keep coming out. Um, I would played it in the beta and the alpha and early versions. Uh, but it came out officially this year. And when it did, it came out with, like, a cool one-player game. Uh, experience which is a story and everything about that and the and the new games are being made for it it's such a fun like time sink um people are making really incredible things in it like uh reproducing games and there's this really cool game like burnout um or what's the what's it wipeout it's like wipeout yeah Uh, yeah i've seen that one yeah there's just so much really cool experiences i spent many many hours in that game this year so that's why it's on my list yeah, and just to recap for people who may not know, this is the the game. Cre- it's not really a game. It's like a game creating platform or something, right? Like it's tools to make your own game. You can upload them and download other people's games, right? Basically, yeah, it's a game engine by the people who made a Little Big Planet, and they essentially have always made games that are like games that you can like edit and do something with. But this is a game where you can essentially, yeah, it's a game engine. You can make any style of game you want. And it's just based on, you know, what your skills are. The other thing that's really cool about the honorable mention part of it is, and I don't think people even know this fully, but if you just want to, like, be an artist or a sound designer or work on one specific part of a game and you listen to us talk about games every week and you're like, wow, I want to do games, but I don't want to make a whole game. Dreams lets you, like, make just a piece of art. You could, like, make a really good banana, like a 3D model banana that's amazing. And when you put that banana in the game... Uh, or you put it in dreams, someone can go around and like look through different things like food and items and they find your banana and they put your banana in their game. Oh, so you can be like an asset creation kind of a person. Yeah, or a music creation person or anything. So oh, that's interesting. Uh, it's such a really unique experience and, and nothing like I've seen before uh, because of its open-endedness to 
kind of like open source, you know, the game engine itself. So it's beautiful. It's a great thing. And I, I highly recommend it to people. And it took up a lot of time this year for me. Excellent. Weird because you didn't really talk about that much, but maybe we should dig into it at some point in the future. Thank we you should. for reminding yeah. us about yeah. that. Okay, excellent. Um, I'll give you one more pick and then I'll do a couple honor- honorable mentions. And then, dear listeners, we actually went to Twitter to ask you what your favorite experiences of the year were. And we have those uh, tallied up right here. We'll get to those in just a second. But to wrap up my section, um, I have a couple that I could probably go with, uh, but I'm probably going to go with... Yes, Your Grace, which I think I just talked about yeah. last episode. Did you, have you played it, by the way? I'm playing it, but I'm not done yet. And I know that you beat it, and we're going to have a spoiler cast at some point. But. Oh, man. Yeah, this game came out of nowhere. Uh, I I didn't... I, what, somebody at Game Critics reviewed it, and I read the review, and I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, it didn't really hook me. It didn't seem that interesting. Uh, but the publisher wanted me to talk about it on the show, so they sent me a code, and I figured, what the hell? I got nothing to lose. And I was just like, oh, man, I didn't realize this is what it was. This is like totally my shit. It's my jam. Uh, You play a king in some kind of Eastern European fictional country. um, And it's a 2D, not really turn-based, but there are like sections to gameplay where like at first you're listening to the petitioners in your country. They're like, hey, king, I'm starving. Can I have a piece of gold? Hey, king, my uh, farm is flooded. Can you give me some wheat to replace the wheat I lost? Hey, king. Uh, somebody robbed me. Can you please uh, let me borrow one of your soldiers to go after this guy? Like, whatever. They have all like a million different requests, right? And you can either grant them or not. And that has an effect on the kingdom. You also deal with your family, the royal family. They have uh, issues going on. One of the daughters is, like, getting married, and she's got mixed feelings about that. The wife has some concerns. Younger daughter has, like, you know, whatever. There's, there's family issues going on. You deal with those. And at the same time, you know you're going to be invaded by uh, another kingdom, uh, the game just tells you up front, like near the beginning, hey, you've got like, I don't know, it's like 18 weeks or whatever it is. You're going to be invaded in 18 weeks. Get ready because they're going to be here. So then you've got like three different layers to the gameplay that you're kind of managing. And it's just really well done. Really fast paced. No fat to the game. Uh, they just get right to the point and just have you do a lot of interesting choices. A lot of consequences. A lot of bad stuff can happen. Uh, the 2D art, I think, is really great. And I think it's just a really small, compact, appropriately sized game which feels like exactly what it should be and nothing that it shouldn't be. And it's just really, really well designed. Uh, uh, great fit for the Switch, too. What? Sorry, I, I heard a pun uh, arriving, but you didn't plan the pun. What? But what the pun miss? is, you said a very small game. I thought when I started playing it that the text and stuff was a little small. A little. Oh, really? Yeah. I, didn't, just... I, didn't, I thought it was okay. Oh, no, no. It wasn't the text. I'm sorry. It wasn't the text, maybe. I think it was the characters because they're really, really small like sprites. And I feel like I wanted to see a little more. I mean, I know that's not what it's going for. It's not trying to like show expressions because it's all of it's like essentially almost like faceless people, like very basic yeah, graphics. Super basic pixels. I felt yeah. like when I was in bed, I was like just looking at it going like, I think things are a bit small. And no, I'm going to double down. I think it was some of the fonts because I went into that little like at the end of the day menu and mm-hmm. like things you can choose. And I was like. This is a little bit hard to read. And I mean, I've got great vision, but I can't imagine anybody that has kind of bad vision. I don't know. That was a small caveat for me. I think it was a little bit. I mean, that's, that's, a fair, that's a fair point. Um, I'm definitely somebody who beats the drum of text and things being too small on the Switch. That's definitely a problem for me with a lot of games. I didn't have that problem with this game. I mean, if you did, I totally respect that. I thought it was fine. I thought I read it in a problem. I thought the graphics were okay. But, but heads up, folks, you know, as, as with any game that gets ported to the Switch... Um, you always have to be concerned that sometimes it may not be 
you know, sized properly, I guess. Right. So. Yeah, because I think Steam would have just killed it for me. Like, if I played on Steam, I wouldn't have even thought about that. That yeah, said, that all the things you said are correct, and it's definitely a, a game contender of the year for me as well, and I've even pl- beaten it. But it's just a, again, similar to almost an Animal Crossing. It's a great game to go relax with because um, even though you're doing actions and you've got to, like, make all these decisions – I feel like they do a really good job of timing. Like there's no like little, uh, what's it called? Like hourglass in the corner going like, make these decisions. You know, they, they really, I think that's really great that they, after you make a bunch of decisions, like you said, people ask you for things, you make decisions, then you can like, just go walk around the castle and talk to people, which a lot of that stuff is story based. And then you decide that you want to end the turn. And I think that's important to mention because a lot of these games feel like you're really under the gun for like how you gotta hurry up and get these decisions made this one i felt like i could really think about every decision and feel confident going into the next week so oh i agree i agree there are definitely deadlines i mean the game will throw many deadlines in your way like the approaching army or you got to tell somebody your decision on one thing or another before a certain day is up or whatever. There's lots of those, but like they, like you said, they are not on an hourglass. Like they tell you, you know, by this day you must make a choice, but until that day you have as much time as you want. Like you right. can take as much time to talk to the petitioners. Like you could, like you can have a line of people, they have 20 people approaching your throne, 20 people who want to ask you for some gold or something. You can talk to the first three and you're like, you know what? I want to take a break. Everybody's right. in line. You peasants yeah. stay here. You're stay here. Peasants. Yeah. I'm wait, wait. I'm going to go take a break. I'm going to go talk to my daughter because she's having a problem. Yeah. Totally. You go talk to the daughter. You go talk. You go check to see what's in the royal kitchen. Get a a sandwich. You go like fuck around, whatever (laughs) you want to do. And whenever you're ready, you come back and do it, which is great. Like, I mean, it's a game. I don't like games that rush me or make me feel like pressured. Like I want to. And there is pressure here, but it's not the time sensitive. Hurry, hurry, hurry. It's just. Yeah, there's shit to do, but take your time. Think about it. I like that. I I agree. It's a great choice. Can you make a sandwich? Really? Or no, you're you just cannot making... make a sandwich. That was just bullshit. Oh, I want to make a sandwich. Uh, that game's great. Good pick. I love that game. Love that game. All right, couple honor. Okay, that's that's the, my final official mid-year check-in. But like you did, I, I'm going to give a couple uh, honorable mentions just real fast. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Coffee Talk on the Switch, another visual novel. Not very interactive. A few pacing problems, but I thought the writing was great. I thought the characters were great. Um, I had a, a wonderful time playing through it. It just was very personable and warm and i just really clicked with it so even though it is not the best example of a visual novel i personally got a lot of enjoyment out of it and i thought it was pretty neat wait wait wait! before you go on yeah that game is called coffee talk right coffee talk yes i can't believe i didn't mention this on the original episode you mentioned it on but coffee talk is a sketch from mike myers yeah 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 yeah. it's just coffee talk all right Kids look it up. Not gonna do the voice. Not gonna do the voice. YouTube, go 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 look up the YouTube's coffee talk. Yeah, we're just talking. There you go. Uh, Other honorable mention: uh, Desperados Three. Talked about that a couple episodes ago. Really like that one a lot. Definitely not for everybody. It's a very particular kind of experience, but I think it's done really well. Um, I really liked a lot. It's like turn-based, large-scale strategy, and I mean large as in the levels are large, but you actually have a small group of people that you're working with, maybe like five people. Um, and it's just turn-based strategy. feels a little bit like Hitman from a top-down perspective. Uh, it's set in the Wild West. Uh, a lot of good writing. Uh, it's just really fun to play, but you got to be up for that really like crunchy, super detailed, super frustrating at times, really difficult kind of like strategy gameplay. Not everybody enjoys that. And even I don't even enjoy that all the time, but it really 
hit me at a good time and a good place. I really like the game a lot. Uh, and the other honorable mention I'll give is a game that is actually still under embargo. So I don't think I'm breaking any embargo by mentioning this game. But uh, Warhammer 40,000 Mechanicus uh, is going to be releasing in another three or four days. I've oh, had a That's not even on my radar. What the heck? I don't think this is your game at all. I don't think you need to pay attention to this. Oh, okay. This is not a Carlos game. It's not a Warhammer because I like the other Warhammer game that we I, both like. I that uh, yes, Inquisitor is amazing. I do not think you would like Mechanicus at all. I don't oh, think okay. this is your thing. Uh, but it is a. It's been out on PC forever, and I've had a review copy for about a month or so. They were very fortunate and sent me a very early copy of the game because they knew it's a big game, and it is. Uh, I will talk about it once the embargo drops, but if you are curious about this, it is a turn-based uh, strategy tactics RPG starring the tech priests of the Imperium, if you're familiar with Warhammer. Uh, large campaign. You can read about the PC game. It's had reviews out for at least a year, if not more. We have reviews up at GameCritics.com on the PC version. I'm playing the PS4 version, which I can't talk about. But uh, if I'm mentioning it right now, you can probably take away the information that it's pretty good. So there you All go. Right. That is my final honorable mention. Um, before we move on, Carlos, we did talk to the listeners of the show, our Twitter followers, our listeners, people on email, all those folks, all those good folks. If you are listening, you are one of them. Thank you very much. And we asked them, what are the best experiences you've had this year? We got a lot of responses. I apologize, folks. Ordinarily, I would take the time to thank you all one by one, but we are kind of running out of time. And there were a lot of responses, so I will not have time to thank everybody, but thank you all for responding. Really, really appreciate it. And basically what I did was I just added them all up. We're not going to read every single one because that would take an, like an hour, but I just took like the top like five or seven and we're just going to name them off real quick. If you have a thought, Carlos, shout it out. If not, we're going to just roll through. Cool? Word, yep. Okay. Uh, by far, I think the biggest one people mentioned was The Last of Us Part Two. You played that. I sure did. I think it's just okay. It's an Uncharted game, but... Uh, I appreciate people loving it. I, there's a lot to like. I uh, my my almost final review is I think it's it's just an uncharted game that I I'm not as excited about. But I'm glad that they liked it. And you did not finish it, right? Are you gonna finish it? No, I might finish it. I'm really I feel like I'm really close, and um, it hasn't changed enough for me. You know, it's still kind of the same thing. Right. Um, I can see all the things that people like about it, and it is the, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. So there's that. Um, but the gameplay itself is what is kind of irked it for me. But Right. And we did talk about that a couple episodes back. Go ahead, and folks. Check in the archive if you want to hear Carlos's further thoughts. I haven't played it yet. Uh, the original The Last of Us was my game of the year when it came out. But i just not feeling this one right now. I just don't feel it. I, it, it seems really dark. It seems really like, like it's long. I just, I'm not in the right headspace for it right now. So I haven't played it yet. I might try to play it before December. Seems like in another year, it probably would be my jam, but it is not my jam this year for probably obvious reasons. Um, the other biggest, uh, most common response, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which we just talked yeah, about. Yeah, those are my uh, people. Yep, yep. So a lot of people mentioning that one. Uh, and beyond that, of course, Animal Crossing New Horizons. A lot of people mentioned that one is their favorite of the year. Uh, you like that one a lot. I kind of yep. like it. You like it more than I do, but a lot of people out there love this game. Totally get it. And the rest of the picks, I got to say, kind of took me by surprise. Uh, I think uh, Half-Life Alex came out this year, and a lot of people are Half-Life fans waiting for Half-Life 3, but, you know, Valve went the other way and did a VR prequel. 
I don't play VR. Carlos, have you played Half-Life Alex? I know I want to, but I don't have the rig right now. We were just talking before the podcast how I'm going to buy a new PC. And once I do, then I'll get the good Oculus because basically right now my computer would like cry. It would just like start crying if I tried to plug in the Oculus. Um, so yes, I want to play this. And I've heard so many good things from people I really appreciate their opinions on. I think Alex is a standalone, really great VR experience. And regardless of the Half-Life universe uh, or like it, it's not a like interim game or like a, hey, you're waiting for the new game. It, this is a unique, wholly unique experience that is pushing the boundaries of VR. So I wholeheartedly support this being on a list. Um, I, I'm just waiting to get my hands on it. Pun intended. Get my hands. Pun intended. Yeah, it. everything you said is exactly what I've heard. Uh, I probably will not play this. I don't have a lot of interest in VR. It's not really my jam. But everybody who likes VR and who has talked to me about this game says, just like you said, it really pushes the boundaries of what a VR game can do. It's one of the best examples of VR. Um, if you're a Half-Life fan, then this is more Half-Life content for you. Uh, so there you go. That was one that uh, more than a few people mentioned, Half-Life Alex. Um, one that got mentioned a number of times, which I was very surprised by, is called If Found. Have you heard of this one? No, and I don't know why. Let me look it up right now. Uh, from what I understand, it's only on iOS right now, maybe oh, like iOS and PC. Um, I looked for, I have an Android phone. I tried to find it on Android. It's not on the Android store, it's or at least Steam. it wasn't. It's on Steam. It's on Steam. Oh, and Annapurna put it out, which I love pretty much everything they put out as a publisher. Yeah, they are a great publisher. This game, I don't know anything about this game, but what, I, what little I know is that it's some kind of trans narrative story so i don't know more than that i mean i would be interested to check it out i mean people have been raving about it I, it came out of nowhere as many people's favorite game of the year so i really want to check it out but it's not on a platform that i can play uh android phone and i don't play things on pc so hopefully it comes you to the don't. switch hopefully it comes to an android i mean hopefully it hits somewhere you that don't i don't play, play things on pc still is always baffling to me i know i just i still i guess i don't get it i tell you this i'm looking at the trailer and the gift that they have up um, I love a good GIF. It is a beautiful art style. I think you're really going to like it. You are a stickler for art. I am. And it's a visual novel. And I like those too. You like it those too. Good. Yeah, and it looks pretty good. It's $12.99 on Steam. And it looks really good. I think I'm going to pick it up. Uh, thanks for bringing it up, audience. Yeah, pick it up. Let it play it. And uh, yeah, thanks to everybody who mentioned that. We have a couple more picks here. Uh, one that like man, a million people mentioned this, and it totally took me by surprise. Lair of the Clockwork God. Have you heard of this one? No. What is it with the audience? Thank you so much for giving. We us have new great games. fucking listeners, man. I, I love sh I love when they do this. I love when people are like, "Hey, have you played Game X Y Z?" And I'm like, "No, I haven't even heard of it." That's the best shit, dude. Because that's when people know. Like, they've been investigating the indie scene. They've been investigating the stuff that's not AAA. They've been doing their due diligence and finding these hidden gems. I love that shit, dude. Thank you, everybody, for yep. giving us these picks. Lair of the Clockwork God, from what I know, uh, is a point-and-click, kind of old-school point-and-click adventure. Um, I don't know really more and more than that about it, but, like, everybody that mentioned it said it was fucking amazing. And if you like point-and-clicks, people tell me this is what you got to be playing this year. Yeah, I, I do just mention in this podcast that I don't like clicking too much with the old mouse. But this is not like a Diablo game where you're doing a lot of, I mean, you're shooting things still, but you're also kind of like, it looks like you're platforming and jumping and doing puzzles, it seems like. And there's uh, two people you kind of go back and forth between. Uh, I, the art style is really fun and cool looking. Um, and it's got very positive reviews on Steam. So yeah, I can see why people like it. 
Yeah, check it out, Carlos. You play on PC. I do not play on PC. Hopefully this will get ported or something. But man, a lot of people are loving this one. And it came out of nowhere for me, which is great. I love that. Wait, when I get my um, new PC, can I just give you my old one and then then you can play on PC? What's no, going my on? PC's fine. I got, a, I got a, a PC that can easily handle games. I just don't like playing on PC. I just don't enjoy uh, it. All right. Uh, a couple more, two more things to mention here. Uh, the next one, another indie from out of nowhere. It's called Wide Ocean Big Jacket. Oh, uh, yes. I know about this game. Okay. So you know about this one. I know about it. I've heard of it. I bought it. It's on Switch. It's also, I think, on Steam, PC, whatever. I don't I don't know if it's on the, the consoles or not, uh, but I, I don't know anything about it. I bought it because it looked like one of those weird indie narrative games that I really like. I bought it and I kind of forgot about it accidentally. But a lot of people are picking this one as one to play this year. So I got to go back to my Switch library and get on top of it. Have, what do you know about it, Carlos? Yeah, I'm not going to say much because I don't want to spoil it. It's, it's just a story. Have you played through it? No, I haven't. But um, okay. I have a friend who played it and it's in my queue. And I know that I'm going to like it, but it's definitely a game that you would like. Like, I know this is like a coffee talk. It's like, it's a game you're like, you're going to like, I think. So you should. It seems, it seems like my jam. Like I said, I bought it. I got, I just forgot about it. Got busy. Um, So I will get to it. Now there's only one more thing on this list and it was. Catlandia. No, not Catlandia. (laughs) You are, you are. Really hard to get in there quick. Okay, good. The one, the one fan of Catlandia. No, out of all the games we mentioned, there was one thing that came up more than all of those games can you possibly guess what it is more than all of what you just said yes more than all of those things more than the last of us 2 more than final fantasy remake more than uh animal crossing there the one thing that people said that came up more often than all of those things combined okay so it's either like some mmo uh or it's a big title like doom or something no Elder Scrolls Surprisingly, Online. Doom didn't get a lot of love this year. There was there was definitely a few mentions, but not as much as I thought. I don't like that game, and we talked about it. I we did like talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Elder Scrolls Online? Grand Theft no. Auto Online? No. Oh. I'm not going to guess for some reason. I don't all know. right, stop guessing. The thing that came up more often than all of those games combined was when I asked the question, what is your favorite game of 2020? By far, the widest margin, the most number of people said... I haven't played anything from 2020 because I'm fucking broke and I can't afford shit. Oh, so, shit. A lot of people are feeling the pinch. Not to bring it back down what to reality. What a Debbie but Downer ending to our whole I show. I mean, it's, it's reality, man. There's a lot of people out there who literally straight up said, I lost my job. I can't pay my rent. I don't have any money. Okay. I don't have any bandwidth for new games. Right. Here's what we're because doing. Because of the life, the world, the coronavirus. And a lot of people haven't played a single fucking game from this year, man. Here's what we're doing, okay? I'm glad we had this episode. Here's what we're doing to our listen- for our listeners. Um, we're making a whole episode. I'm executive order decision. Oh, shit. We're making, and I haven't done an executive order on this podcast ever. First time, first time. Folks. First So Video Games podcast executive order. Uh, just like that. Yeah, anyways, we won't go into that. This is uh, an executive <laughs> order. We're going to do a whole episode soon. Actually, fucking okay. soon. Okay. And I know I can populate the whole episode myself. I'll get your support as well of free games people can play. That would be amazing. We're doing it. That's it. Because there is All so right. many good stuff out there that isn't monetization. It's not like trying to nickel and dime you. They're just either on Itch.io, on Steam. Uh, I, you know, I don't think there's any on Switch. They don't think... Maybe they do some free. No, there play. is some free stuff on Switch. There okay, is. so we'll dig around and find them. I know I have like twenty games I could mention right now. Uh, we'll help you out. I get it, man. Like money's tight. You don't have a job potentially, but you need escape. Uh, we got you. 
Also, Absolutely. in that same episode, Executive Order Number Two. Oh shit! Two in the same episode. In the oh, same my god. episode. Oh my god. Oh my god. We're really doing it, okay? Executive Order Number Two. We're gonna do a video game giveaway. Oh, I decided. Yeah, we can e- easily do that. Easily. easily. Do that. We have not done it in this podcast ever, right? I I think we tried a million years ago, and like we got we gave away some games, but like it was really kind of hit or miss. But I have like. I've got probably like 500 game codes I could give out right now. We have game codes, you have codes. Yes. I have, uh, you know, I'll put my own hard-earned money in it. I just like buy a motherfucker a game. Oh, shit. It's getting yeah. serious in here, folks. It's getting serious. Executive orders. One games episode. Obviously, the episode itself is free. And then we're going to give away games on that episode. How? I mean, that's just giving back to the people. <laughs> I agree. Wait, that is that is amazing, Carlos. You took what was a Debbie Downer moment, totally did like some jujitsu on that shit, and turned it around and made it a positive. That's amazing. Okay. Good on you, sir. Good on you. All right. There we go. Executive orders. We will slot that free game slash free game giveaway at a, for a future episode. Um, there's only one more little section. Again, thank you to everybody who contributed, and also thanks to everybody for being honest with your answers. I really felt like that was really uh important and valuable um so thank you very much um but now the final section of the show is what we are looking forward to uh for the rest of 2020 i feel like like you said uh the rest of the year is probably going to be pretty heavy with big hitters i feel like there's a lot coming uh that we both are going to be looking forward to there's going to be probably a lot of games we don't know about a lot of games that are going to be surprises but there are a few things on the radar i have three picks what do you have carlos yeah i have four and again i know it's more than this but Let's just go with three or four each. That's um, fine. Why don't you start off? Well, the first one's very easy, and it's one I'm going to down, uh, pre-order and download as soon as we get done with this podcast because I had forgotten put it off. And I like pre-ordering games because lots of times they'll let you download most of it in advance, uh, which, by the way, pro tip, especially on the PS4, pre-order games, not because I want you to, you know, I'm sending a marketing thing. It's just for you to, if you want to play it earlier, uh, specifically on the West Coast, you could probably play the game thursday night sometimes at 9 p.m because you've downloaded it so ghost of tsushima comes out this ghost friday of tsushima. oh is it this week i kind of forgot about that oh yeah i've been razor focused on it no laser focused on it <laughs> i mean razors are sharp too it's a razor laser focus and i'll download it tonight or I'll download most of it tonight um uh, i know it's going to be great it's one of those things where i'm not even watching most of the footage of it um uh, i can just sense it's going to be again like I like a world that I can lose myself in. The combat seems amazing. Uh, it's beautiful. There's a black and white mode, I think, at some point. So it feels like those Kurosawa films. Holy shit! In fact, I think they call it Kurosawa mode, which I oh perfect is, is a little bit cheesy, but okay. Oh well, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, I'm going to love this game. Uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, super super close uh, to my heart. I talked to somebody who has played all the way through it, and based on our discussion, I bet this game will totally be your jam. It sounds like something that you're going to like very much. Uh, nice. I will check it out. I'm not, like, foaming at the mouth for it uh, because I'm still deep in Neo 2, and that game is also samurai action, so I right. don't really want to go from samurai to samurai. Uh, I may do a palate cleanser in between. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I am not the biggest fan of modern Sucker Punch, the developers uh, who are making Tsushima, but... I'm willing to give it a chance, and I bet you this is going to be your jam. So I'm excited for you, sir. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a, the only thing I don't know about, and I, could, I don't want to know about, is like how far they do the kind of like character progression when it comes like 
RPG light elements, you know? Right, right, right. And so if that is even like a little bit more than I'm thinking, then I'll really be excited. So we shall see. We shall yeah. see. Um, one that I am looking forward to. I mean, I feel like even dumb saying this because I'm sure that everybody in the free world or the partially free world, as it may be, is looking forward to it. Cyberpunk 2077. I mean, I'm yep. very excited. I, I don't, as a rule, enjoy first person combat games. It's not really where I like to be. But, I mean, The Witcher 3 is one of my favorite games of all time. I mean, it's probably, like, in my top three. Um, so I'm willing to give this a chance. Uh, I have a lot of faith in CD Projekt Red. They really seem to know what good writing is, and they seem to know uh, how to make interesting quests. And, I mean, I, again, like I said with um, Neo 2, is a game that I love so much I want to do every single quest. In Witcher 3, I wanted to do every single quest, and yep. that's just not something I do very often. So... Uh, I am very excited for Cyberpunk 2077. Don't feel like there's a lot to say. I feel like everybody in the world knows about it already. Uh, but that is one I'm definitely looking forward to. What about you, Carlos? Yeah, it's on my list too, so we'll just talk about it now. It's definitely uh, one of the ones I highlighted. Um, similar to Ghost of Shima, I haven't like watched a lot of gameplay. I've seen some and was like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what I was looking for. Uh, and I do like first-person uh, adventure games, especially at RPG Elements. CD Projekt Red... Same thing for me, Witcher 3, one of my favorite experiences ever. Played every single piece of content. We've talked about that in the show. Probably, yeah, 300 hours or some weird number. Like, insane. Uh, played every single DLC, all the free stuff as well. And I just know that they're going to they're gonna knock it out of the park. It, it, it's hard to fuck up the game. I really wish it would have come out uh, near my birthday because it was supposed to come out in September. Um, so it's going to be like a birthday present to myself. But now I'm just going to wait because I'm sure that they have a good reason to make it even better it's gonna be i think it's gonna be just like witcher 3 where i'm gonna go yep that's exactly what i wanted and uh i love it i'm so excited for it ditto 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 all right so that was uh well uh that was kind of my pick you piggybacked why don't you give us one of your other picks uh we'll throw in assassin's creed valhalla motherfuckers okay okay basically assassin's creed origins that's the last game right no, it was Odyssey was the last Odyssey one. Origins was, was before that. Right. I, I started liking uh, Assassin's Creed even more with Origins. I think, in my opinion, I like how they added the RPG elements. And the combat always felt really fun to me. Uh, Odyssey, yeah, I played 100 hours or something in and played a ton of DLC. When at some point you're like, I should stop. And you're like, oh, I'll just try you know, three more campaigns. Uh, I really like how they build worlds right now. They lightly have an RPG element in it. Uh, I like the combat. I feel really comfortable using, you know, the controls. And I love Viking stuff. Uh, the Vikings, the show, is one of my favorite shows. I like it much better than Game of Thrones, and I've probably mentioned that on this podcast. But Vikings is an incredible series, and I love that world. And I, I like the idea that you actually build a homestead in this. So that's a, some new information they finally released, which is it's not just... Uh, a game about assassinating people and doing what you do in a, an Assassin's Creed game, but it's also about building up your own community, which is cool as shit. Um, yeah, I, I know that I'm going to spend 100 hours in this game. Excellent, excellent. I am not really one for the Assassin's Creed series. I've played a number of them, you know, off and on over the years, but I, I can't say that, like, I'm really, like, a hardcore fan of the series. Um, I do want to get into Odyssey, which is the most recent one, because I'm a big fan of like Greek mythology, and a lot of the imagery in that game kind of uh, seems pretty cool to me. Uh, bought that one, haven't touched it, so I have like 100 hours of gameplay ahead of me with that one. Don't know that I need to buy another Assassin's Creed before I f even start that other one, but 
we'll see. I'm not as big on the Viking stuff as you are, so I'm going to wait yeah. and see. But I know a lot of people are definitely still on the Assassin's Creed bandwagon, for sure. Well, let me put an asterisk next to that, because you and maybe other people think about it like I used to, is at some point, which was Origins, they changed how they make their games, right? So that, that needs to be apparent. Like, people... It's interesting. It's a whole tangent we won't go on, but about marketing and branding, because you hear Assassin's Creed and you think of the first two games. I mean, I do. I think of Assassin's Creed 2 and you still like that double story where it's like the present day, but also like you're going and trying to find a person. You're walking in a crowd and you're killing him. Assassin's Creed Origins is the furthest from that. Like, yeah, you still have to kill people and there's targets, kind of, but it's also like wide ranging stories and all these side quests and definitely feels more like an action RPG. And so Odyssey is the most action RPG they've ever made. So that's why I think, you know, you might like it more than you think. Well, we shall see. We shall see. I really still want to play Odyssey. Um, I'm still very interested in that. I just, I just know it's really long and I'm juggling a lot of long games and I know that there's a couple more long games coming out that I got to play. So I feel like I don't have a lot of time in this year to get to it, but We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Okay, next pick for me is a game that kind of comes out, I believe, in like another week or two weeks. It's called Carrion, C-A-R-R-I-O-N. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is a uh, 2D pixel-based game where you play as a creature of some sort. I don't know exactly what you are. You look like a blob or some tentacles or something. You look like a big mass of pink goop or something. And you are the monster, and you are, like, breaking out of a lab. You're using your tentacles to, like, kill scientists and eat them. And, you know, you just kind of just be a monster in this area. I don't think that, despite the fact that in a video game you can do anything you want, like, you know, go as far as your imagination can take you, I feel like we don't often get this kind of experience where you're playing the other side of things, where you're playing the monster, where you're playing a non-human character, like, significantly non-human. Like, I feel like we get a lot of, like humanoid aliens that have maybe bug eyes but they still got boobs and they still got hips or they still got guns and it's all pretty much in the basket of being humanoid we don't get a lot of like really alien experiences and i feel like there's a lot of room to explore that yeah uh, so i feel like um hopefully carrying is going to be that for me i really want somebody to just push the boundaries do something different like break away go crazy um, I'm totally fine eating scientists and like being a tentacle <laughs> monster for a couple hours. It just looks like a lot of fucking fun to me. Yeah, and Devolver put it out, um, and I remember seeing the trailer. I think at one of their like um, shows at some point. And yeah, I love the idea of, of switching sides and being a, like a, a monster for once. I, I will say this: mentioned on this podcast, one of my favorite games. Wait, is is it this this year? I think it came up before this year. But uh, Legend of the Keepers. Do you remember that game I talked about? You mentioned it. I never played it, though. Oh, shit. It came out this year. It's on my list. Oh, I'm, snap. Rewind. I'm bumping Catlandia. I'm bumping Catlandia. Oh, you tossed it out. I tossed it. No, no. It's still on my list. But also on my list, Legend of the Keepers or Legend of Keepers. Uh, I won't go into it too much because we're at the end of the show. But it, you do play as the bad guys in a dungeon. You play all the monsters. You, I remember? remember you mentioned this. I it's it's like PC only, isn't it? I think that's why I didn't oh, play it. Oh yeah. Wait, it's on it says it's on Mac OS and Linux, which we had talked about yeah, before the show started. None of those are winners. Okay. Legend of Keepers. Anyways, carry on. Also looks good, but play as monsters. It's a fun thing. I'm interested. All right. Uh, I have one more pick to go. Do you have any more picks, Carlos? I have one more and it's not gonna be on your list either. <laughs> I can see these lists being well, we came together on Cyberpunk. But they're going to be separate, I think, on the other ways. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion. Yeah, Watch Dogs Legion. I'm interested. Uh, it's not something I'm, like, foaming at the mouth for. But 
Oh, see, dog pun. Got it. Yeah, nailed there we it. Go. Nailed it. But uh, yeah, I'm interested in it. Uh, tell us about why you're excited for it. Well, Watch Dogs 2, I know I reuse this phrase too much on this podcast, but it really was one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> you're a As, man of many favorites. I, I Well, we should just compile it. Maybe a listener could say, like, go back and <laughs> that's a lot of work and find all the times I've said that. And then maybe I'll have like 50 games that are my favorite games of all time. Carlos's top 50 favorites. This has got to, I mean, Watch Dogs 2 was not only because it was in San Francisco and I was living in San Francisco and I really understood that they nailed like the feel of that, of that city, but also it just, I love open world games that do it right. It felt much more fun and interesting than a GTA. Uh, the, just the, the playability of the characters, how they ran around and moved in the world felt more fun. Uh, the story was cool, going against authority, etc. And this one is really close to home with, like, I don't know if you've seen the trailer and stuff, but it's like, yeah, you know, first they come for, like, people who aren't like you, and then they come for journalists, and then they come for, you know, uh, the protesters, and then they come for you. And so it's very close to home on the, the you know, the story of it and the setting, etc. And then it's this idea that you can play is pretty much any NPC you find. And once you pick them, then you can essentially make them, you know, one of the characters you use in the game. And they've experimented with this before to lesser uh, rewards in the fact that, like, they gave, in quotes, characters in the game backstories, but they were just more like text that you could read, and it really didn't do anything. But this one, it sounds like, you know, a certain subset of NPCs will be like an older woman or a young tech hippie or something. And those different archetypes will have different skills. So that is very interesting to me as well. So you have like this kind of ragtag group that you've made, but they actually have different you know abilities based on the people you've picked. Uh, that along with the setting that I love Watch Dogs games, done. Excellent, excellent. I'll definitely check it out. I mean, I, I think the premise of like, being any NPC that you want and being able to switch between them is pretty interesting. Um, I didn't really care for either Watch Dogs 1 or 2. And in fact, I kind of, I mean, like, I'm just not really like the hugest fan of Ubisoft's work in general. I, they're just not my kind of um, my jam. I try most of them, but they don't click. But this one does look interesting. And I think if they really lean into that concept of being able to switch people around and change things on the fly, that does seem pretty cool to me. So I definitely, I definitely will give it a shot at least. Yeah. Um, all right. Good pick. Good pick. My final pick that I'm looking forward to is one that I'm actually very excited about, but I know almost nothing about other than the developer, a brief trailer and a couple pieces of concept art. Uh, it's called 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Have you heard of this one? I have not. It is from Vanillaware, uh, who I think are pretty interesting developer. They are hit and miss with me. I don't love all their games, but the games that they do make, which I love, I really love a lot. They did uh, Odin Sphere. They did Dragon's Crown, which is probably oh, my favorite one that they've done. Those are good games, and I like this developer. Yeah, yeah. Their art style again, like it comes back to the art style for me. I really love their art style. Uh, they put a lot of uh, effort into their visuals, and this particular game, like I said, I don't know all the details, but basically, it's about uh, kids who can somehow summon giant robots, and they do some kind of big kaiju battles. Uh, I, I mean, that's just that's all I know. They've been pretty hush hush about it. 
Maybe if you can read Japanese and can go to Japanese websites, you can get more info. But here in the West, there's been very little info. Uh, but I don't really need to know more because I really like these developers. I'm very interested to make robots. Uh, it, I mean, a lot of it, I guess, I'm assuming is probably inspired by Pacific Rim. I mean, why else would you name it that? And why else would it be about robots? And I really love Pacific Rim a lot. So it's Vanillaware and Big Robots, that's all I need to know. Sign me up. And it is confirmed for a Western release. I believe it's coming later this year. So I'm very, very excited, even though it's still a big question mark for me. Yeah, it's now on my list, or it's at least on my, uh, you know, radar because I love their art style. Like you said, I like the big sprites, really big. Oh yeah, characters. huge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's so cool. I feel like it's an evolution of like old school games, you know, uh, in the lighting and stuff like that that they do. Yeah, their art team really kicks ass. I really like their stuff. I don't like all their games, but man, I do love all their art. Like all their art is amazing. So yeah. it's it's good stuff. Good oh, stuff. I have one more. I just remembered. Okay, final one. Final and one. Wait, of the wait. Show. This this was going to be a short show <laughs> when we first get set down. I think it's now a regular size show, um, sure. if not long. Uh, oh my goodness, I cannot be more excited about this game, and I it has no release date because it's like two or three people working on it, and I mentioned this podcast before. Say no more. Say no more. I refresh my memory. I'm not. Uh, I don't recall. This it's one. a narrative-based game where you basically are a character who plays as kind of like a uh, office assistant who everybody keeps telling her to do things, and she has to learn from like a coach how to say no to people. And then when she does, she can like literally like scare people away, make them fall oh, down. Oh right, right, right. Okay, okay. They like okay. they'll fall out the window. Like crazy shit happens. And then at some point you can even do things like like laugh at them and then say no. It's like a combo. Right. Oh my goodness. It's just all about comedy. And so it's not say no more, it's say no more. More. Got yeah. it. Okay, got it. It's all about the timing. Pun okay. or that's not a pun, but yes, play on words. <laughs> All right, excellent pick, excellent pick. Uh, all right, folks, that is going to do it. I think we have done justice to the mid-year check-in. Hopefully, we have brought some games to your attention that were not on your radar. Hopefully, you will go and check out some of these experiences. I mean, I think if we're talking about them, they must be pretty good. Still a lot of good stuff to look forward to in the rest of the year. I bet this is going to be a very, very good year for gaming. I have a pretty good feeling about it. Oh, yeah. But that is it for this show. We are going to wrap this up. Uh, before we go, as usual, we love your questions and comments. Hit us up, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, at SoVideoGames. Or you can hit us up individually, which I think is sometimes better. Carlos, uh, where do you want people to find you this week, if at all? Oh, right. They can't. You can't find me now. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. You're I'm, a ghost. I, I'm temporarily off social media, so uh, just listen to the podcast. If you if you want to hang out, uh, hang out with me here uh, with Brad. And we're listen, just listen. If I'm, nothing else, if nothing else, you can leave a comment when we post a show, and Carlos will probably come by and see. Oh it. yeah, he's, you he's, know. he's out of reach right now. He is just he's hiding in a cave in some woods far it's away. Not, it's not a cave; it's a studio apartment. There's it's just one room. <laughs> it feels like a cave. Um, and also, yeah, leave a comment on GameCritics.com. Go to GameCritics.com. Here's a plug: GameCritics.com. They got hey. video games and reviews on them, and previews on them, and also this podcast. Gamesac. Oh wait, I was gonna say games.com. <laughs> I fucked it up. Gamecritics.com. Plugging the wrong place, but the sentiment is appreciated. Yes, please come to gamecritics.com if you want to get in touch with Carlos. This week, that's your option. Leave a comment. You have no other options. Sorry no about options. that. Sorry. Uh, as for me, same as usual on Twitter, on Instagram. 
B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that's going to do it for our mid-year check-in, episode 189. Thank you again for joining us here on the So Video Games Podcast, and we will be back before you know it. In the meantime, this is Bye From Brad. And um, a PSA, just leave social media for a little while. You know, like you'll feel better. I feel a lot better. So maybe just, I don't know, a few weeks, just say... Get out of here, so.